This is Todd Summerfeld. I'm a sales agronomist for CHS in Crookston, Minnesota. We are pleased to bring you the update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Randy Conan in studio. We'll get a report from Whitney Pittman, too. The Federal Open Market Committee wrapping up its December meeting today. Fed Chair Jerome Powell will deliver his comments early this afternoon. Most analysts expect the Fed to keep interest rates steady. More attention will be given to Powell's comments about the country's monetary policy in the year ahead. The consumer price index for the year is at 3.1%, down from 3.2% in October. Food prices rose two-tenths of a percent in November, but down 1.7% on a year-to-year basis. USDA economist Megan Schweitzer says some food prices are coming down. Some of the categories where we saw price decreases were beef, which decreased by 1.3%. Pork especially saw a large price decrease this month, falling by 2.8%. Poultry prices declined by 0.9%. Processed fruits and vegetables prices fell by 2.9%. The stopgap spending bill that funds USDA, the Food and Drug Administration, and three other agencies will expire January 19th. Early February is the deadline for eight other appropriations bills. Despite these cutoff dates, Congress is focused right now on assistance for Ukraine and Israel, the annual defense authorization, and negotiations over border policy. There is growing anxiety about the agriculture funding bill with the limited congressional schedule in place before the end of this year. Minnesota Farm Bureau Federation is in Washington, D.C. this week as states gather to go over resolutions ahead of their annual meeting in January. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has more. MFBF Director of Public Policy Pierce Bennett says Minnesota will present resolutions pertaining to several issues based on their priority issues for the coming year. Well, you know, we heard loud and clear, you know, both at the state level and, and just broadly our membership's thoughts on uh, land access and the ability to have healthy, you know, um, you know, free market uh, focused land values, whether, you know, that would be the encroachment of, of various programs or, or energy discussions, whether it's solar, whether it's CRP, um, uh, urban sprawl, whatever it may be, we know that is on our membership's mind. We also know that our membership are oriented on getting more access and opportunity to farmers, particularly our young and beginning farmers looking to enter into the business. How can we help those farm transition happens? Bennett says they will continue to work on farm bill issues and other legislation that impacts farmers and ranchers. Whether it's getting a farm bill done here so that we can have the updated data and policy work done uh, for our farmers or whether it's working on an issue like Proposition 12 and ensuring that one state doesn't get to dictate how the other 49 states raise hogs and and livestock more broadly. So this is something we're working on very hard, and it's the message we're bringing here to D.C. on behalf of Minnesota. Reporting Agriculture's Business, I'm Whitney Pittman on the Red River Farm Network. Argentina has temporarily suspended new export licenses for grains and oil seeds. The decision follows the inauguration of Argentina's new president, More economic measures are expected to be taken up to address Argentina's runaway inflation. Starbuck, Minnesota Farmer and Minnesota Soybean Research and Promotion Council Board of Directors uh, member Paul Freeman is in New York this week for the Clean Fuels Alliance America Big Apple Tour. 
Participants are learning about ways biodiesel can play a role in community development and the environment. Communities 100 years ago got ranked on their risk. So the poorer neighborhoods stayed poor because they were a higher risk for lending and developing and whatnot. To get environmental justice, we need to address those the most needy and uh, help them because such a high incidence of uh, respiratory problems and stuff that uh, we can affect that. School buses, the air quality in the bus is worse than the air quality behind the bus because it accumulates in the bus from the diesel being burned. We increase our uh, biodiesel into that bus. We're addressing that problem. New York is a big market for soybean products in the country. It was focused on the marine use and uh, <clears throat> the mandates for the different uh, states are using for the uh, on-the-road diesel and that. Our product is being used out here and people say, why are we in New York? If the whole state planted all the soybeans, they still could not meet their demand. So they need our product out here because 20% of their homes out here still use fuel oil. It's a, a great tool for them. It's here and now it's cleaner, better. This is the Red River Farm Network. Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. During the online Canola Research Conference, Northern Canola Growers Association Executive Director Barry Coleman outlined the organization's research priorities. Looking at disease management, we want to emphasize black leg and clubroot research in our proposals. We've got a separate sclerotinia initiative that's been going on for a number of years, so we have any sclerotinia-related research proposals sent to that initiative. Research will also concentrate on fertility and options to use expanded canola production due to the development of the biofuels industry. The Northern Great Plains produces multiple feed sources, including grains, forages, oil seeds, and co-products. That benefits fed cattle production in the region. Colin Tobin is an animal scientist at NDSU Carrington's Research Extension Center and was featured at the Northern Canola Growers Association's research conference. With calves being fed hay, corn, barley, and corn silage, Tobin said feed rations can use more crude protein. If we do not supplement protein, in this case at canola meal, our gain would be around two pounds per day. But when we do supplement with with a protein, in this case, canola meal again, uh, up to 14%, we move the crude protein from 9 to 14%, and we move that estimated gain from about 2 pounds per day to 3 pounds per day. And so even though we're, we are still getting a good amount of growth for those calves uh, at that 9% crude protein without protein uh, supplementation, we really depress that growth by an entire pound per day. Uh, by not supplementing crude protein. Canola meal delivers crude protein at a reasonable price. And I think that's why it's really an effective feed going forward because we don't have to feed as much canola meal to get as much protein in as, as distiller's grains as well as it's not as expensive as soybean meal. So that's one thing to kind of look for in my project when we do get it finished, finished is starting to look at some of these ec economic values of canola meal when fed to calves. And with the new production of renewable biofuels, Tobin expects canola meal to be readily available in certain areas. RCAF USA has sent a petition to the U.S. International Trade Commission requesting a global safeguard investigation for the sheep industry. RCAF CEO Bill Bullard says several factors have made the production of lamb and mutton cheaper in other countries, 
including the currency valuation. That too places an unfair burden upon U.S. sheep producers, and so we can't have just uh, rely upon export markets as we have for decades. Our exclusive reliance on export markets is why the sheep industry is in the dire condition it is today and why the cattle industry is shrinking. What we need to realize is that this is a national security issue. The United States needs to maintain a domestic supply chain for important foodstuffs like red meat protein. And the only way we can do that is if our producers can be protected from lower cost products that are produced under substandard conditions. Bullard says packer concentration is also contributing to the issue. Another problem that we have is the distortions of the global marketplace. We have high concentration in the packing sector, including in the sheep sector. And JBS, the world's largest packer, is also the world's largest uh, meat processor in Australia and exporter from Australia. And so our producers are having to compete in, in an environment in which uh, you know, you have just a handful of packers and many, many producers, and the packers have tremendous leverage over the marketplace. The House will vote on a bill today that would allow schools to serve whole milk. Only low-fat milk is allowed right now. The National Milk Producers Federation is urging Congress to vote yes on this bill. National Milk says the availability of popular healthy milk options will improve student nutrition. Meanwhile, groups like the American Heart Association and the American Academy of Pediatrics opposes that legislation. Farmers for Free Trade and 15 other major agriculture groups are defending permanent normal trade relations status with China. With increased tensions between the two countries, lawmakers are considering the revocation of that trade status. The coalition is asking Congress to consider the negative impact that decision would have on farmers. China is the largest buyer of U.S. food and ag products, representing nearly 20% of all exports. This is the Red River Farm Network. Good morning. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Wheat and corn markets moved a bit higher yesterday while the soybean market saw some profit taking following Monday's sharp move higher. AgMarket.net market analyst Jacob Burks says the grains do remain range bound. One thing that we're noticing is we're still not seeing a large amount of farmer selling. Uh, you typically don't at this time of year, but you know, being that the, the, the commercials are holding such a small net short position, uh, it is something that you wonder what's going to happen as we go through that first of the year to see if there's any of that hedging interest coming uh, coming into this market. And I think that's what probably has me most fearful uh, as as we go into you know beyond the uh, the, the new year. Burks's farmer selling coupled with fund rebalancing is his biggest concern for the new year. I think that's what probably has me most fearful. Uh, as, as we go into you know beyond the, uh, the the new year, looking for these guys to, to take on some of this deferred pricing and opportunities to take advantage uh, of, of what the, the elevators have offered them uh, that could put a lot of pressure on this market. Heading into this holiday period, Stonex market analyst Philip Clausen says the news remains fairly quiet. So far this weekend, in a, a market that's been you know generally here kind of kind of stable here, where you know exports. Uh, you know, continues to uh, to show up, but nothing that really changes the balance sheet dramatically. Just kind of keeps us in line with what USDA is forecasting this year. So you've got a, 
a demand situation that's uh, kind of meeting expectations right now, and uh, we're just kind of kind of marching forward in time here, waiting for the calendar to roll over. Concentration within the meatpacking business has been in the crosshairs for many years. A bill is now being introduced in the Senate asking USDA to investigate possible anti-competitive activity within the fertilizer industry. Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley, Wisconsin Senator Tammy Baldwin behind the proposal, saying farmers need more transparency and certainty as they price their fertilizer needs. Checking markets this morning. As we speak, we have Minneapolis wheat eight and a half higher, 721. Chicago wheat for March down by 11 and a quarter, and KC wheat for March down 10 and a half. March corn four and a quarter down, 481 is the quote. January soybeans 1315 and a quarter. That's down eight and a half cents. As we check in on the farm calendar, uh, of course with Prairie Grains this week, we have the annual on-farm research summit, an update given by uh, folks from the uh, Minnesota Wheat and University and Industry Experts. That starts 7.30 this morning uh, at the uh, Lara Center and will be uh, continuing right on through midday. Uh, they've got uh, sessions with the North Dakota Crop Improvement a meeting going on, their East Regional meeting at 9 this morning, the North Dakota Barley Council, their county reps meeting today, the Red River Basin Flood Damage Reduction Group having a session at uh, 10 to 12.30, Minnesota's Research Committee is meeting, and we've got uh, a number of the commodity groups also meeting uh, later on this afternoon, including the North Dakota and Minnesota Malting Barley folks, uh, Minnesota Association of Wheat Growers with the resolutions meeting, Minnesota soybean with a grower meeting, and there will be, of course, uh, North Dakota grain growers and MOG and Minnesota barley growers going on this evening, and of course the Prairie Grains Banquet that's coming up tonight as well. Prairie Grains, look for the Red River Farm Network when you're at the trade show tomorrow. Have yourself a great day. We'll see you on the road. This is the Red River Farm Network.